0: Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I wanna thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, Would you consider giving us a five star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily, so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Satan does influence fathers. And he influences mothers. And he influences children. And he influences this culture. And if you had a father who was horrible to you, you can almost guarantee that there was an influence on that father that was unholy and ungodly. Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of power of the air. And he knows his business well. And he has worked to to destroy fatherhood Almost from the start. Almost from the start. We're going to take a look at our text this morning. Lest Satan, the the adversary, should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, if you're just joining us this morning for the first time, we're at the tail end of a series on Satan. And I want to encourage you to go online, youtube.com slash Emmanuel hooks it catch up on the messages. You'll find playlists on there for our sermon series. And you can find this right online. And, and go back. Someone texted me the other day. They said, man, I want to thank you for this series. I've been going back and I have been watching these sermons over again. And it is, it is so helpful. See, we're not ignorant anymore. If you've been coming to this church for the last seven weeks or so, you can no longer claim ignorance. Now, you can willfully pretend that Satan doesn't exist. You can pretend that he's not influencing you or your family. You can pretend that everything is fine and we don't really have an enemy and you can just go about your life ignorantly. But we know that willful ignorance is actually stupidity. Now that you're aware, if you refuse to engage, if you refuse to open your eyes, well, I just said what I said. It's kind of dumb, isn't it? If you knew you were sick, I mean really sick, and you didn't go to the doctors, and you refused to go to the doctors, or you went and the doctor said, hey, you need to take this medicine, and then you went home and you pretended everything was fine, but you got sicker and sicker and sicker, I think I would be within my bounds of saying, you're kind of dumb, right? Right? That's not, that's not ignorance anymore because you know you're sick and you know what to take. And my concern about messages like this, important messages like this, is that we hear them, but we're just doing church on Sunday. And it's just another sermon. And we walk out and we forget what we've heard. But I really believe that this series is one of the most important series I have ever preached. That people need to know they have an enemy. And that this enemy is out to destroy and to kill not only them, but the people with whom they have to do. Not only you, but your family and your friends and especially your church. Satan, the enemy, and his demons are active in church today. You can almost guarantee that they're here today. And they're whispering in our ears and we went over how does Satan how does Satan attack us? How does he speak to us? How does he whisper to us? And he whispers to us through our culture, and churches are necessarily counter to the culture where the culture embraces evil. Now there's some churches that are not counter-culture. There's some churches that are just social clubs, but there's a lot of good God-honoring churches, and they're going to they're gonna be abused by the culture, and they're going to be mischaracterized by the culture as places of hate. We have to be careful that the culture does not influence us to turn our back on the Word of God and the God of the Word. He influences us through other people. People will speak things to us, ungodly things. They will try to draw us into ungodly activities, behaviors, and attitudes. And sometimes those people, those people are believers because believers can be influenced by the enemy. Make no mistake about it. That's a reality. We looked at, at David, a man after God's own heart influenced by Satan to number the children of Israel, causing great chaos. We looked at Peter. Who loves Peter? I mean, the question should be, who doesn't love Peter because he's so much like us? Peter is a screw up. He messed everything up. I mean, he was standing in the face of Jesus saying, over my dead body, am I going to let you go to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world so we don't go to hell? He left that last part out. But that's what would have have happened if Peter succeeded in keeping Christ from the cross. But Peter, influenced by Satan, to try to stop Jesus from doing what Jesus came to do. And sometimes he comes to us and he whispers, directly into our ears, not only through, through people and through the culture, but there are times where we'll have thoughts that will enter our mind. And those thoughts are not our own. I'm convinced that Satan and his demons are master ventriloquists, and they can speak in our voice. And he will, he will, he will tempt us, and he will speak to us, and, and we need to understand how now, we, how, can, how can we defend ourselves? How can we defend ourselves from his devices? How can we defend ourselves from the onslaught? Because he's, he's after us, church. He's after Emmanuel. He's after any church that lifts up Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. What, uh, what are we going to talk about this morning, do you think? It's kind of on the slide. It's, it's like an easy test. I'm giving you answers. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get into defense. Defense. Right? We're going to get into defense. Um, what do we do in our efforts to be victorious against this very real threat? Listen, there are families right now, they are divided. Because one or the other or both, husband and wife, have been listening to the enemy. There was a woman in a church I used to pastor, and her and her husband were kind of on the rocks. Her husband hadn't cheated on her, but he was just kind of a jerk. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Um, and I've said this in the past. It doesn't, make, it doesn't take much to turn a jerk into a, into a, a monster if you have a willing audience. Like you can talk about your husband, and he's just a jerk. But if he's a jerk and everybody knows it, you can start to exaggerate. And, and jerk goes from jerk to monster real quick. This guy was a jerk. He wasn't just a jerk, though. He was mentally ill, so he kind of had an excuse for being a jerk because he wasn't on his meds. And it's funny, as a pastor, sometimes you have to counsel, sometimes you have to say, go to a doctor and take your medicine. Like he was taking Philippians chapter 4 and said, that's my magic pill from God. I don't need my medicine. I just think I'm whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just. It's wonderful counsel. Counsel. But if you have a chemical imbalance and God has not miraculously healed you, you need medicine. Uh, and so we had a, we had a, an intervention with this man, and uh, he went to the doctor and he started to take his medicine. But this 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 wife, she had a willing audience to listen to her gripes, and she would go to to other women and and complain about her husband. and And even though the husband was seeking help and And getting help, she would complain. And the counsel she would get, let me tell you, was terrible counsel. And it's it's interesting to me that sometimes we look for counsel from people who have no business counseling. You follow what I'm saying? Um, If I want to know how to pastor a church, I will probably talk to other pastors who are doing it well. I'm not interested in talking to other pastors who are abusive to their churches, who are miserable failures, who can't preach and who interpret Scripture terribly. I'm, I, I want to know things from people that are successful. And, and this woman went to other women, well, they weren't so successful. And they whispered into her ear horrible things. And the marriage failed. The marriage failed. So I want to give you a Four words this morning. If you have your Bible apps, you can open them. We're on the Bible app. Just go to events, find Emmanuel Baptist, and you can follow along there in the notes. Uh, We are now printing out some handouts. If you prefer to take uh, pen and ink notes, you can do that. We're going to use four words this morning, and I hope you'll remember them, live them, and pass them on. So some of you know that I like to try to get a few words together to pound them into people's heads. How many of you know Nate? My boy. Happy Father's Day. He gave me a text this morning, gave me a hug. I love my son. And I've been raising my son on three words. I started with two words, and then he hit puberty, and I made it three. So two words, provide and protect. As a man, and listen, there's a difference between men and women, and I believe God calls for the man to provide for his home. You ought to provide for your family. You ought to do everything you can do to provide for your family. My mom and dad especially taught me that if you get laid off at your job and you gotta work at McDonald's until you get a better job, you work at McDonald's and bring in whatever you can, but you don't stop looking for that better job. You don't just sit on the couch and play Xbox all day, right? We were taught to provide, and so I pass it on to my son, provide. And then I pass this on to my son, protect. Because I think there's too many men in the world they don't protect. Matter of fact, they do the opposite and they abuse and they neglect their wives and their children and so I want to raise my son to be a man that somebody else's daughter should marry and have that father proud that his daughter chose my son. You follow what I'm saying? I'm raising someone that I want someone else to be proud of. And then he hit puberty and it's all downhill from there. No, he had puberty, and so I added one more, and this is vitally important. Provide, protect, respect. Respect. You ought to notice, girls. Hallelujah. But, they're more than their bodies, and you need to respect the whole person. And so I, I like that. You provide, protect, respect. Provide, protect, respect. And I've been drilling that into him since he was probably four or five years old. He went on a little hiking expedition with the Johnson family, And him and Daniel, he says, I'm going to protect you, Mrs. Johnson. And he went out and got a stick. And he's out in front of the crew, and he's going to protect her from whatever was in the woods. Like five or six years old, he's like, Dad, stop embarrassing me. I'm proud of you, buddy. We're going to use four words today. I want you to hold on to them. I want you to remember them. I want you to write them down. But more than all of that, I want you to use them. It does my son no good if he knows, provide, protect, respect, but he's a lazy bum who abuses women and doesn't respect them. If he knows the words, it doesn't do anything unless he lives the words, right? You follow? So here's the four words. I'm going to give them to you right off the bat. Memorize them, work with them, chew on them. Awareness. Resistance. Persistence. And finally, faith. We need to be aware. We need to resist. We need to persist. And it's all tied together with faith. This series has brought us up to the brink, and I've been touching on awareness almost every week. Because this is how Satan operates best. He operates best in the dark, shadowy places. He operates best where we don't expect him. He operates best when we have our eyes closed. He operates best when we don't suspect He's there. And so awareness is absolutely indispensable when we're talking about defending ourselves from the enemy. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's two names for Satan right in that verse. The adversary, your adversary, that's Satan. The devil is slanderer. I don't want to keep going back and telling you how the devil works, but uh, listen, if you're constantly cutting down someone, you're doing his work for him. If you're constantly bad-mouthing someone, you're doing his work for him. He is the slanderer. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Awareness. Awareness. So often, we listen to the whispers that Satan is is inundating us with. We listen to these whispers and we allow these whispers purchase in our minds. We hear things that do not align with God, His character, His nature, and His Word. We hear them but because we're not living an aware life, because we're kind of walking around blindly, we hear these words, we hear these whispers, and we begin to ponder them. We begin to think on them. We're not understanding that these thoughts coming to our minds, or the culture that's pounding on us, or a friend who's whispering to us an ungodly thing, we're not even aware that it's coming from the enemy. And this is where awareness comes in. Does what you're hearing from other people align with the nature and character of God? Just sit and think on that a spell. You're at work. You're, you're talking to your friends at work. And they start talking about something and it doesn't align with God are you allowing it in? Are you meditating on it, thinking about it? Are you considering it? Are you bad-mouthing your husband? Are you bad-mouthing your husband? Are you aware that what you're doing is Satan's work for him? We need to be aware of these instances when the enemy comes in and whispers to us. And the way we're aware of them, once again, is we have to line them up with the nature of God the character of God. Philippians says this, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we have the mind of Christ, we begin to act instinctively the way Jesus would act, right? When we have the mind of Christ, we become far more aware that something isn't right. See, Satan's not always going to come to us blatantly with with an evil thought he will sometimes come to us with subtle thoughts he's a master manipulator second corinthians tells us that his ministers dress themselves up as angels of light so we need to be aware of the enemy we need to be aware when he's sneaking in we've got to learn to let The mind and word of Christ dwell in us, the Bible says, richly with an abundance. Being aware of the enemy's attacks allows us to let Jesus do the fighting. I want you to understand that. You're not going to wrestle with the devil personally. I'm going to see that in Ephesians in a few moments. When you become aware that it is Satan or his Demons trying to manipulate you. You can turn him over to Jesus. When we were studying through 2 Corinthians and we saw the false teachers, right? They were were manipulating the church. I do not believe these were saved men. Paul actually told them to check themselves to make sure they were saved. He wasn't saying that to the whole church. He was saying that to these false teachers. And these false teachers were whispering religious things to this church. But one thing especially they were doing was they were diminishing the authority of Paul and the character of Paul. And Paul was given charge over the churches. And Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the words of Paul, especially in those letters, were anointed by God. And so what these false teachers were doing, were they were, they were calling into question the very word of God. And they were manipulating it. And so we need to understand that He comes to us in various and different ways and sometimes very subtle. And the more we allow Jesus to saturate our minds, the more aware we're going to be when false teaching tries to come our way. And when we're aware of this and when we're evaluating what we're hearing by whether or not it's lined up with God's Word and God's nature, as I said a moment ago, then we can take those thoughts captive and give them to Jesus. Be aware of what you're thinking. Be aware of what you're listening to. Be aware of who you're listening to. Early in my ministry, I was attacked by spiritual presence. And we, we, we haven't talked a lot about this. It's been very practical Teaching, But let me be abundantly clear. When I talk about the whispers and the direct contact from a spiritual enemy, this happens. And I had answered the call to ministry, or it was, it was right before during the process of answering that call, that the enemy came crushing down on me. And I made a mistake, and the, the mistake that I made was I wasn't aware it was him. I, I thought the, the ideas that were coming to my mind, I, I thought they were my ideas. I thought they were my thoughts, and there were doubts, and there were questions, and there were fears. And I thought it was just from me. And I'm telling you what, man, I was wrestling with this. And the more I fought with it, the more I wrestled with it, the more I thought about it. Does that make sense? And as I'm wrestling and I'm fighting and I'm trying not to think about it, the more I tried not to, the more I thought about it. And I remember I was parked at my place of employment, Douglas Company, in in Londonderry, and I'm parked there, and I'm I'm just, I feel like I'm going to collapse. It was so... Uh, powerful, this onslaught. And then I began to understand, well, this is the enemy. He was attacking my faith, the very root of my Christianity. He was trying to chip away at it and he was pounding and pounding and pounding and he was relentless. And then I remembered something. I remembered this, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And I pulled out my Bible that day, and I just began reading. I didn't even care where I read, honestly. I just knew that my faith was under attack, and I needed to bolster that faith. Folks, the mistake I made, though, in those early days, was I listened to the wrong voices. I listened to the enemy, and he had me on the ropes. I wasn't aware of what he was doing, and I spent far too much time wrestling instead of trusting in Jesus. It's an amazing thing. I I, I still to this day look back at it, and it was an almost an almost physical assault. It was it was it was that powerful, and and I see some of you were. We're nodding your heads, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you've been there, done that, got their certificate. So, first word, awareness. Just being aware sets your defense. So you, you all know that I coach football, most of you, and about ten of you care. <laughs> I get it. So I'm not going to push this analogy further than you can stomach. But I'll tell you something. When you know what the enemy is doing, you will be far more prepared to defend yourself. We were playing a game against Pembroke, and we were, we were holding our own, but we just couldn't get our offense going. We just couldn't quite get things moving. And we had a coach, so you have several coaches, four in our case. You can't look at everything. I'm looking at my offensive line, I'm looking at my quarterback, I'm looking at this, and and I'm not seeing something the defense was doing. The enemy was doing this certain thing. They're actually cheating, honestly. They had eight men up in the box, and they weren't supposed to in this particular age group. So eight men up, anyways, forget it. So <laughs> Troy gets me, my brother-in-law from California. They were, they were pushing their linebackers forward, and, and so my special teams coach came over. He's like, hey, listen, man, they're pushing their linebackers up. They're acting like eight down linemen. Just dump it over the top of them. Let's get some slants going. And, and sure enough, Because we became aware, aware of what the enemy was doing, and they are the enemy. Amen, Pembroke, Nate. They are the enemy. (laughs) Yeah, we were able, he says, preach. We were able to, you know, get seven touchdowns that day. But the first quarter, we we weren't going anywhere. This is what awareness does. When you're aware, husbands, wives, when you're aware, it protects you from being an agent of Satan in your marriage. And it gives you an opportunity to be an agent of grace in your marriage. So awareness is the first word. We're going to have to rush through this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the second word, resistance, right? Awareness, resistance. You know, there's a place in Jude, the, brother of, the half-brother of Jesus, brother James, Jude, uh, is talking about this, this moment in time where Michael the archangel was, was contesting with the devil. And the Bible says that Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. So listen, man, when we, are, when we are up against it, when we're in the trenches, when the devil is, and that onslaught is coming, you need to set your defense and resist it's not going on offense, right? You're not trying to gain ground. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at Ephesians in just a moment. And you're going to set your defense. And you're going to push against and hold your ground. It's a military term, and it means to stand your ground, to hold your ground. When he, says, when he says resist, that has the idea of withstanding. It has the idea of stand your ground. And listen, I've come up with this visual analogy When Satan comes to me and he's tempting me and he's pounding on the door and he will pound on your door. He knows your weakness. Man, the best thing you can do is stand your ground and let Jesus answer the doorbell. right? Let Jesus answer the door. You're not tough enough to take on the devil by yourself. Let Jesus answer the door man, let that ring in your mind. Let Jesus, that's what resistance is, stand your ground, let Jesus answer the door. Michael, the archangel, was smart enough to realize as he's wrestling with Lucifer that he needed Jesus to rebuke Lucifer. Michael had some experience with this. I'm not going to take you there, but you can go back in Daniel and and there is another angel trying to get to to Daniel to answer some prayers and some questions and he got caught up in the spiritual realm and had to get some help. Folks, man, we, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We need something more powerful than us to come to our aid and to stand with us and within us. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And here it is, in the Lord and in the power of His might. What happened to me in the parking lot that day when Satan was pounding me, some of you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I had conversations with some of you about this. The doubts and the fears and all of these things just piling on. And there are no answers. Listen, God is miraculous. And the things he does are miraculous. And a lot of times make no sense. Have you ever tried to figure out the virgin birth? What? That makes no sense. How could she be pregnant if she didn't have sex? This is bizarre. Of course, we know the Holy Spirit came and, and created, like, pulled stuff from Mary's womb and, and Jesus was incarnated in a miraculous fashion. Makes no sense. He comes to you and He tries to tear down your faith and, and tear down the, the foundation of your belief. And God tells us, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I tried to just use my intellectual powers. And some of you that know me, you're saying, why would you even?
1: That <laughs> makes no sense.
0: And he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. That is that, that's that same idea of resist in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand your ground. Stand against the onslaught of the enemy. How do we do this? It's the idea of holding a position. We need to, we need to consider ourselves and try to maintain a defensible position. It means that we have our feet, the Bible says, shod with the gospel of peace. It means that we have our feet settle deeply in the Word of the living God. It means we are immersed in the mind of Christ. So when the onslaught comes, it is Christ that answers those questions. It is Christ that stands in your defense. Remember, it is the armor of God. In Romans, he calls it the armor of light. It is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I said it earlier. Let Jesus Answer the door. Stop trying to answer it yourself. Let Jesus answer the door. Be prepared. Read Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation, protecting the mind, immersed in the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the breastplate of righteousness. It's not your righteousness. It is His righteousness. And sometimes the enemy comes and he he tells you how horrible you are and how badly you failed and how God never wants you again and, and God is tired of you and sick of you and done with you. Well, it's not your righteousness. It's His righteousness. It's the belt of truth that holds the whole thing together. Folks, it's the shield of faith. When we resist, we set our feet on a firm foundation on the rock of Jesus Christ. We set our feet so that we cannot be pushed back. And we trust in Jesus to do the fighting for us. Let's go on. First Peter chapter 5, 8 again. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. How many more times is he gonna say that? Be vigilant. So what are the two words so far? What's the first one? Awareness. Starts with an A, ends with a awareness. Um, The second word? Resistance. First word? Second word? First word? Second word? Resistance is to what? Stand. Stand your ground. You have your feet buried in the Word of God, man. Be prepared as the enemy comes to you. The next word is what do you think? Persistence. Some of you listening from the very start, I'm going to have you come up and preach this. Persistence. Persist. Firm, obstinate, continuous, uh, continuance in a course of action. In spite of difficulty or opposition, it is steadfastness. It is hanging in there. It is, it is not letting up. All right, right, we, uh, we're New England Patriot fans here, some of us. And persistence was on display in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta losers, right. Um, <laughs> most people would have given up in that game. People would leave at the game. They were losing. What were they losing? What was the score? 28 to 3. 28 to 3. Nobody gave the Patriots a chance except for the Atlanta Falcons. I love the little behind-the-scenes things and, uh, where the, 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 the guy on the Atlanta Falcons' sideline is saying, man, I don't know. I don't like it. We're only up 25 points. Tom Brady's on the other side. You actually like this guy saying this. Tom Brady, I don't, it's not enough. It's not enough. And sure enough, it wasn't enough. They were persistent. They kept going despite the odds. But persistence is something else. It's keenly connected to awareness and resistance because here's what the enemy will do. I guarantee it. If he has been beating the snot out of you, right, you've been falling into temptation and failing, and then by the grace and glory of God, you start to get victory. Don't be surprised when the enemy presses pause on his attack. Right? This is strategy. When you're coaching a game, whatever the game is, it's about misdirection and deception. We want a great quarterback. We want a great running back. We want an awesome offensive line. But we also want to do something that the other team is not expecting. If I stack the right side of the line and I I go strong side right, I may send Nate naked over on, not naked like without clothes, (laughs) but I may send Nate Unprotected on the other side, depending on what their de- depending on whether their defense falls for it, and we, kinda, you know, we'll watch what the safety's doing over the top, and anyways, we we just you know, watch how they respond to our setup, and then we try to do the the opposite thing. That's strategy. Satan's brilliant. Satan is brilliant. He knows what works against you, but if you start winning, he'll press pause, and he'll press pause for a while. And you'll think, wow, I really got this. As soon as you think, wow, I really got this. What does the word of God teach us about pride? Pride comes before a fall and a haughty heart before destruction. So this is where persistent comes in. We have to constantly be aware. We can't let up. You can't let down your guard. You need to be persistent You need to know that if he stopped coming at you in a certain way, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. He will hammer you and beat you down and push and push and push and push and then radio silence, he will stop. Listen, we're working against an intelligent foe. He knows what works. He's the best coach in the game. Only rephrase. Let me rephrase. He's the second best coach in the game. In our playbook, our playbook, it's better than his playbook. And this is where we started the series. You need to know your playbook. We need to know the enemy and God pulls back the veil and he shows us This is what the enemy has done historically. And so we can expect this is what the enemy will do presently. Above all, taking with you the shield of faith with, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. so then, Romans, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This defense that we have. Awareness. Resistance, persistence is empty and powerless if we don't have faith and if we don't know the word of God. If we don't know the word of God and we don't know the God of the word, it will be very difficult for us to be aware of the machinations of the devil. You follow? If you're you're not familiar with the character of God, nature of God, it'll be difficult for you to be aware when a counterfeit comes and starts whispering in your ear. If we don't know the Word of God and our faith isn't strong in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be difficult for us to persist when it gets tough or when it gets silent. And I think persisting Is sometimes more difficult when it gets silent. And so we need to be fully immersed in the Word of God and in the God of the Word because it gives us faith. It helps us understand Jesus is greater than the whispers. He gives us wisdom to recognize them. Do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know Him? Some people are really interested in Satan and the things of the occult, and maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you came in and saw that we were doing this series on Satan, and and this just really intrigues you. And you just love studying this stuff, but you really don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You've never had a moment where you recognize that before a holy God, that you have sin in your life that separates you from Him and will keep you separated eternally from, from God. There were seven men in the Bible. They were a lot like that. We don't have their names. We have the name of their dad. What a great distinction. This guy must have been so proud. They're called the seven sons of Sceva. The seven sons of Sceva were caught up in the spiritual realm. They were so interested in the occult and interested in, and especially in Paul the Apostle, whom God had poured out a measure of His Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit were powerful in Paul. So powerful, in fact, that people were being physically healed in the presence of Paul without Paul even touching them. I mean, Paul was doing some pretty amazing things. A man fell out the window because Paul was a long-winded preacher and the guy fell asleep and died. And Paul raised him from the dead. I mean, Paul is a powerful Figure, You would think people would worship him as God, but Paul understood that he was just a messenger and that Jesus was God and Jesus got the glory. Well, these seven sons of Sceva, they got really interested in the occult. They got really interested in, in the demonic things and in the power of Paul. And so they, were, they, they thought themselves to be, to be exorcists. And they went about trying to cast out demons. And if you have ever dealt with people that are possessed by demons or in that type of presence, let me just say this. You probably don't want to try that. The seven sons of Sceva... Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call in the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise, not exorcise, exorcise you, right, uh, by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. If Paul can do it, we can do it. And so they go to this guy he's possessed of a, an evil spirit and they're trying to cast out the devil. And he's seven sons of Sceva. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. I, I just picture this. Somebody needs to make a movie. I can see like a smile come on his face. And that little glint in his eye. But who are you? <laughs> right? The lights go out in the room, and all you hear is screaming. Screaming! What happens? The Bible's really cool. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, one against seven, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And it became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus And fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Not the name of Paul, but the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're like the seven sons of Sceva. You just got interest in this topic, and that's driving you. Can I point you to where the glory went? After all that was said and done, the name of Jesus Christ was magnified and glorified. If you don't know Jesus, you don't belong in that world. Matter of fact, if you do know Jesus, set your feet and stand and let him answer the door. Let him answer the questions. Be aware. Shut it down. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.